On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. Hello, hello from sunny Arizona for my second week of uh, coverage from down here in the Valley of the Sun. I'm Dominic Catronio, and this is going to be a big week. And if you're new to the pod, if you're new to our content, welcome in. This is your home of the Brewers, 620 WTMJ. You just heard uh, the game earlier today, Brewers fall to the Reds. But hey, it's all good. These games don't matter. Here's what we got coming this week, and it's a lot. Today, two hours. Wednesday, two hours. And then Friday, 90 minutes. Now, you don't miss a beat if you follow me on Twitter at Dom underscore Catronio. That's D-O-M, like Dominic, underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O, Cotroneo. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm trying to be better about posting there, too. That's Dom Brewers WTMJ. A lot easier to spell, right? Dom Brewers WTMJ on Instagram. Videos and, and content like that that will pop up on Instagram from time to time. But here's what we got coming in the pipeline. A really jam-packed show these next few days. Uh, I'm really, really excited to share uh, an interview that I taped this afternoon with pitching coach Chris Hook. That'll be in the latter half of this podcast episode or live here if you're listening all the way through. We're going until 9 o'clock tonight, so we got a lot to get through here. Uh, again, Chris Hook will be in the second hour of the program live. It'll be in the second half of the podcast if you're listening after the fact. In this first half, we're just kind of laid land of camp right now. Uh, of course, the big story is Sal Freelich and what is going on with him learning third base, the new regime with Pat Murphy, Ricky Weeks, uh, Charlie Green, and company joining the established staff that was already here. So we've got a few interviews ready to play, and of course that big Chris Hook interview coming up in the latter half of this show. Then on Wednesday... We're going to angle a little more toward the position players. Uh, I've got some stuff, stuff scheduled with Matt Arnold, with Reese Hoskins, uh, with uh, Joey Weimer, with some thoughts on the offense and Connor Dawson and things of that nature. That's going to come on Wednesday. And then with the shorter episode on Friday, uh, I've got some time with Garrett Mitchell. Uh, I've got some stuff lined up with uh, Robert Gasser, some stuff lined up with uh, some of the younger guys on this club that are ready to make an impact. Joey Ortiz, D.L. Hall moving forward. So you're going to hear from almost all the guys that I would hope you would want to hear from this week right here on your home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Look, we're the only radio station down here right now, okay? This is your home for the Brewers. If you want to know something Brewers, I hope I'm your guy and I hope we are your station. So... I'm really excited to bring you all the coverage I can this year. We also have the notebook every Friday that I'm dropping, uh, just kind of observations, thoughts, quotes from camp. That'll be every Friday morning on WTMJ.com. So that's a lot to take in for our agenda today. Let's talk about what's on the plate for the guy that's played third base again today, Sal Freelich. Let's, you know, that's kind of been the main headline of camp. That's going to come up next. You're going to hear from Sal. You're going to hear from Murph after this on WTMJ. Welcome back. I'm Dom Catronio. Jam-packed week of coverage here as we get ready to go for spring training 2024. We've got a couple of games under the belt. The Brewers have fallen under 500. No need to panic. It's just spring training ball. I think the biggest thing, we talked about this briefly last week, about what Pat Murphy had to say about it, reacting to the article that Ken Rosenthal wrote that we all found out about this week, watching him report to camp. 
That's Sal Felix getting an audition on the infield. This is what spring training is for. That's what I talked about last week. But today, I had the chance on just getting the chance to actually talk to Sal about the process, uh, what he's learned, and how getting the chance to, to meet with Petey. And all, all that stuff's coming here in the pipeline as well. I think the thing that's lost in all of this is it's not like, oh, if Sal's not a good third baseman, he's not going to make the team. It's not, they're trying to find a way to get creative with their outfielders. A big piece of this is the fact that Christian Yelich openly says to the media, and I imagine to his manager, Pat Murphy, and to Matt Arnold, hey, I don't want to be an everyday DH yet. I'd like to play the majority of my games in left field. And he, I'm fine with that. I mean, he was a league average left fielder last year. Do you want to say, oh, well, why don't you just put Sal there? Why don't you put Garrett there? There's a mental thing there, not just for Yelly, for a lot of players that when you become an everyday DH, you can get disengaged with the game very quickly. It can be harder to get focused in the box. You don't feel like you can flush away in that bat quicker than you can. Like, you got to go out and play defense. you got to flush it and move on. He is not the only one that can feel that. I'm, and I'm not saying that Yelly feels all that. That's just observations around the league of what guys that have become everyday DHs that aren't necessarily your stereotypical everyday DHs. So that's why... I'm fine with Yelich still playing the majority of games out there in left field. And the reason for this creativity for Pat Murphy is just find a way to fit all of these young kids in there. You know, let, let's play a hypothetical here. You got Yelly in left, Churio in center, and Mitchell in right. And then you'll put Sal at third. It's just for the hypothetical here. Willie at short, Ortiz at second. And then reset first. I mean, you've got a mix of speed and power in there. That's going to be really fun. And, oh, by the way, you've got Gary as your DH probably. And then William behind the plate. That's not that bad of a lineup, man. That's pretty fun. It's trying to fit a lot of moving pieces into one spot. So let's get into some of this Sal audio here. First and foremost, Dustin Pedroia is his idol, right? And getting an initial call, getting the call from Pat Murphy like, okay, we want you to work with Dustin Pedroia. <laughs> like, this is in the middle of the summer, right? So here's what he sounded like. Well, here's what his reaction was to that initial call from Pat Murphy. Shortly after Murph got the job, he gave me a call, let me know that he got the job, and then gave me a call and said, hey, I just can't get this vision out of you trying the infield out. And then he said, love you to come out work with Dustin, see how it goes, just see, like, let's just see what, the, you know, that, that door holds, so... I was fired up. I was like, yeah, obviously not going to pass up an opportunity. So I came out here for a few days um, in December and um, got some work in. But, yeah, that was kind of just what got the ball rolling, I guess. It sounds so mundane, right? Just being able to, hey, yeah, Dustin Pejoria, all-time great Red Sox, three-time World Series champion, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, coming out and work. So Murphy disclosed to us that Bryce Trang was also there and – they got a chance to all work together, and he actually made a joke. Murphy did uh, telling the media the other day, where you know, recalling the moment where they got some work in all together, and Pedroia knew that Sal was going to be raw and like relearning the position. But Sal was, or, uh, Dustin was really impressed with Sal. Like, man, like for a guy that hasn't played since high school, are you serious? Like, this looks, this looks totally fine. We can make this work. And then he jokingly poked the pat, like this other guy. Man, that, this, this kid looks like a gold glover. So he didn't know that Bryce was probably 
a couple of votes shy of being a Gold Glove finalist at second base a year ago, so that made me chuckle as well. But as we mentioned, it, it's his boyhood idol. It, it, it's South really getting to work with the guy he grew up watching on the Boston Red Sox. That had to be exciting for him. Here's what he had to say. When I first, I mean, obviously, was fired up to be on a baseball field with him and kind of learn from him and see how passionate he was about the game still and the position. And it was just like everything you get when you watch him play. Um, it was the same as he was um, instructing me. And, yeah, I mean, it was a dream. Um, we got in the cage with him too, which was which was awesome. It wasn't just fielding. So got to kind of pick his brain about all aspects of the game, preparation, stuff like that, which was really cool. Getting a chance to sit with – this is a part of my job that I don't ever take for granted – being able to sit with you know players of all walks of life and just talk about their process openly, you know, it's no big deal. Then you remember, like I'm a member of the media and I'm able to do that. Then you remember, players don't get that opportunity unless they're teammates. You know, you think like, oh, he did this, that, and the other. Why don't you do that? Well, I don't know. I no one told me that. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's so cool to get into the mind of a peak athlete and understand, especially when you're. You know, if you could be a fly on the wall for that conversation of Dustin and Sal, hyper-competitive, always underdog mentality, grinders that are ball players, right? These guys will do anything it takes to help the team win. And I think that's what's at the gist of all of this for Sal. If it means his bat's in a lineup and it helps the team in the long run, he's all for it. Here's what he had to say about, you know, just being able to be versatile for the Brewers. Yeah, I mean, it means everything just because... Um, I think that's just the epitome of being a ball player, and that's what Murph told me. He's like, that's what I, you know, wanted this club to know before they drafted me. Like, hey, like you're getting a, a ball player. Um, I've been playing the game long enough. Where throw me anywhere, I'll, I'll go out and play. I'll learn it, whatever. And um, I'm just glad that you know he finally trusted me to, uh, you know, with, with a task like this. And um, like I said, it's just going back to being athletic and, and, and playing baseball. And I'm obviously still got a lot of learning to do, but um, making the, the, the transition a little smoother. And we saw him out there today. He played third base, and he had two plays at him. Both were routine. Uh, nothing crazy. I mean, I, you just want to see him get more game reps. And Pat Murphy's reiterated that over and over and over again. He hasn't played this position since high school. Let's not overreact to what he can do. And, again, look at the calendar. It's February 26th as we sit here and talk about this. And then, finally, I tweeted this clip earlier today. You know, what are the growing pains? What, what are you going through of – Hey, we know you're an outfielder, but hey, go play third base. I mean, you get a brand new glove. It's a different glove. It's a smaller glove. He's got a brand new DP15, Wilson A2000, baby. Brand new. And he's got to break that thing in, too. He talked about that and some of the other growing paces going through. I think just loosening up the hands. Like, I think uh, um, just kind of being an athlete with the feet is something that. I think I can kind of handle it any position, um, but it's really just softening up the hands. I'm getting a feel for different types of hops, um, the initial read off the bat, coming in on a ball, going back on a ball. Um, and then the throw from third, too, um, kind of be difficult at points. Um, you know, balls in my backhand, making sure I'm moving my feet back to third, stuff like that, not getting lazy and, and sailing balls, which happens pretty easily. So um, just kind of learning you know, that throw and, and, and kind of reading different hops and stuff like that, stuff I just got to keep, keep hammering. He's if there's anybody that can like, you know, make you believe that he can do it. And Murphy's said it himself. I look in his eyes. I just keep having this vision that he can do it.
and they're going to give him every opportunity to do it because let's be honest, what's the worst-case scenario? He goes back to the outfield, okay? You've got a plethora of guys who can play third base. Andre Monasterio, Owen Miller, uh, Joey Ortiz, Tyler Black, maybe even, you know, an Oliver Dunn. We saw him at third base yesterday and Sunday against the Rockies. So it, it, it kind of reminds me of the story that was told a lot last postseason of the Braves and throughout the year, old friend Orlando Arcia. When Arcia was mad at Brian Snitker in spring training last year of like, hey, wh- why am I not getting reps at short? Why, what, what, what can't I do? And they were playing Vaughn Grissom there at short. He said, Snitker had told him, look, we know you can play short. We want to find out if this guy can play short. And that's what the Brewers are doing with Safriel. Hey, we know Andre Monasterio can play third. We know Owen Miller can play third. We saw Tyler Black play a full season. It's still out of position for him at third base last year. And he's even had a few reps at first base. That's what spring training's for. We want to find out if you can do it. And the worst case scenario is it's the status quo. You go back to what you were doing. I'm all for the experimentation. Like I said, look at the calendar before you freak out. Look at the calendar and calm down. Another guy that's a candidate for third base, somebody that was a first-round pick just a year ago. It comes at, life comes at you really, really fast. I'm talking about Brock Wilkin. We've seen him a couple of times already so far this spring. We're going to catch up with the former first-rounder coming up next as this spring training edition, part one of three Brewers Weekly shows this week. Getting you ready for the 2024 season right here on your home of the Brewers, WTMJ. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. All right, welcome back here on Brewers Weekly Spring Training Edition. I'm Dominic Catronio. Please be joined by Brock Wilkin, first-round pick of a couple of years ago. Here on Big League Camp, man, life comes at you quick. How's it feel the first couple of weeks? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's pretty special to be here. It's uh, it's it's an honor, you know, to... For the club to think this highly of me, it's it's super awesome, and you know, get to surround myself with some of these big league guys. It's it's pretty special being here. The year moved pretty quickly for you last year. You know, I know you came by to Milwaukee and you got to see the ballpark and everything, and then before you know it, you're ending the year in Double A. So, how do you assess the season that you had in your first year in pro ball? Yeah, you know, it, you kind of you kind of take that and, and run with it. Um, you know, the the club thinks this highly of me, and um, you know, gives me a lot of confidence to to just go out there and play the game. You know, play the game is kind of my motto, and being able to go out there and play the game and um, you know that I don't have to go out there and stress and, and worry and look over my back and um, so you know it's 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 special for them to, to have this type of confidence in me. It's a pretty full clubhouse right now here in this first week of full squad game starting today. As, as you look around you got some pretty good locker mates just to your left you got a few guys around here. Are there a few guys that you've been pulling their ear annual and just trying to get as much knowledge as you can here before uh, things change? Yeah definitely um, you know, I, th- I think Adamas and, and Terang are kind of the, the biggest two guys I'm leaning on right now. Um, those two guys are kind of taking me under a little bit and, and helping me out. I can go to them about on-field stuff, off-field stuff, and uh, you know they, they answer me truthfully and honestly, and uh, I really respect them for that. What have you learned You know, as the difference? Because you had quite a bit of success in college back at Wake, and now you've stepped into the Pro Bowl. You've had a little bit of success too. What have you learned that you need to continue to adjust to and what your goals are here for the 2024 season? Yeah, just just continue going at it every day. You know, you're 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 always trying to get better every single day. So trying to get better every single day um, while still playing games. You know, that's I think it's the biggest difference of, of consistency from um, college baseball to the professional level. So being able to go out there and compete but also get better every single day is is my goal. When you look at this roster, and we know third base is something that this team's been kind of looking around for for a while, 
when you see like how hard is it to keep yourself in the moment right where you just don't want to get a little bit ahead of yourself knowing that your primary position is maybe a position of need in the next couple of years yeah you know you, you definitely think about it but you kind of you kind of got to stay in the moment right you got to stay where your feet are and um you know, it's it's not up to me. Uh, it's it's ultimately not up to me. So being able to to <laughs> to to just go out there and play and um, stay locked in in the moment is kind of kind of doing my thing. The chuckle, since we're also on radio, Garrett Mitchell is joining us here as well with a bat, adding a microphone as well. Uh, so you really get a taste of it here, trying to stay focused in the big leagues. When it comes to your work at third base, you know, how have you been feeling working with Matt, working with all the coaching staff, and how confident do you feel in defensive abilities at third base? Yeah, you know, they, they've they've definitely grown over the offseason. Um, that was kind of a, a huge offseason focus point for me was uh, – <laughs> Was was to just continue to, to grow um, defensively in my mobility and in my hips and everything. Um, and so being able to, to come out here and work with uh, Erickson, and Mike Guerrero, and a bunch of the infield guys, you know, it's uh, to see how far I've come and, and to show them how far I've come. It's been special because they see it as well. Don't worry, we can mess with Garrett next week because I've got an interview scheduled with him too, so no big deal there. Uh, again, we're chatting with Brock Wilkin here on 620 WTMJ. Brock, I'll, I'll leave you with this. For Brewers fans that maybe aren't super familiar with your game, how would you describe it for yourself, and what do you look forward as far as saying, all right, hey, this is who I am, who's who I want you to think that I am, and what I want to provide for Milwaukee? Yeah, uh, for me, it's just, it's just going out there and playing the same game. You know, I go out there every day and try to compete and try to win every single moment, pitch to pitch, at bat to at bat, um, game by game. You know, I go out there and win. I classify myself as a winner, and I just want to go out there and win in every single aspect of the game. I play the game hard. I love the game of baseball. Um, so, you know, that's kind of that's kind of who I am, play the game hard, um, go out there and have fun. Sounds like a guy that Pat Murphy really likes, huh? Yes, sir. Hopefully. All right. Brock Wilson here on WTMJ. Appreciate the time, man. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. He's a great kid, and he's a specimen, dude. He is huge. And he's gotten into the last few games, all three of these games. He's been kind of the replacement third baseman, whether it's for Sal or for Oliver these last couple of days. And he's made a play. I, I, I look at it. We talked about it with Pat Murphy yesterday. Obviously, these games haven't been televised yesterday's game was a web stream but if you were listening you know there was a play that he learned quickly that hey if you if you back play a ball if you take a step back play you can't take two shuffles and he took one sh- he took two shuffles and he th- let it rip you know full cannon over to first and the the runner beat it by a step you know that guy's just as hungry coming out of the box in the seventh inning of a spring training game that's maybe coming from minor league camp of the Rockies as you are coming from minor league well non-roster invitee here in camp, your first big league camp. So, obviously, there's not going to be like a scolding moment or anything like that. But, hey, it's like, welcome to Pro Bowl. It's quicker. The game gets faster before you know it. And Brock Wilkin, talking to folks in the organization, they are really, really excited. He roped a double in the opener on Saturday in Peoria. He's hit the ball hard a couple of times. He's showed discipline today with a walk. So, really, really looking forward. He's watching his development. I expect he would start the season down in Double A Biloxi, and uh, where he finished the season, of course, and see how fast he moves, and see how everything shakes out with him. Again, this is a spring training edition of Brewers Weekly. We got three of them this week. Let me get to the text line. I haven't even dropped it yet. Uh, uh, Doug and Baraboo has been texting in, talking about Sal at third base. Brewers had another Sal at third, of course. Sal Bando, and he plays like him. He will be all right. I like the idea of Sal at third. You usually go from the infield to the outfield, and you see what happens. I agree. And, of course, Sal Bando is kind of the invisible string that pulls Pat Murphy and Craig Council and the Brewers all together. It is kind of wild that, you know, he first met when Pat Murphy was recruiting 
Craig Council back at Notre Dame and was there meeting with Sal Bando, who's a former Sun Devil legend. Uh, and then, ironically, Pat Murphy then becomes an ASU uh, head coach. So it is that is a great pull there, Doug. Appreciate it. So, again, the number 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620 if you're joining us live here on WTMJ. Let's keep the, the theme with third base rolling. I don't know if this guy is going to be a third baseman. He's certainly capable of playing up the middle. It is Joey Ortiz, half of the deal that was returned from the Baltimore Orioles in the Corbin Burns trade. So we got a, a few minutes with Joey Ortiz coming up next. Stay with us. This is WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Joey Ortiz is one of the newest Brewers. He's also a Packers fan. We'll get into that. It's not what you think it is, but uh, he's a California kid. He's been known for his glove, and it seems like he's going to get a very, very strong look at a position up the middle this year for the Brewers, maybe even third base as well. He's played all three of those positions, third, short, and second. Obviously, short is occupied by Willie Adamas right now. He made six starts in the bigs at second, three starts at short, and two starts at third last year with the Baltimore Orioles. Didn't really have a long enough to have a sample size of actually saying, okay, this is who he is. Only 34 plate appearances. Yes, I know, a 212 batting average, but again, it's 34 plate appearances. Uh, but the year in AAA was a great one. 88 games total because he spent a lot of the year in the big league bench trying to stay ready. 885 OPS, a 321 average. Slugged 507 with Norfolk. I mean, that that's a 507 slugging with only nine homers, okay? 30 doubles and four triples. So keep that in mind. He also drew a, a good handful of walks, uh, 32 walks in and only 69 strikeouts. That's all on top of the fact that he's put on some good weight. We talk about that here coming up next. Joey Ortiz, certainly a candidate for third base as well, as that's been kind of the theme of the first half of this program. Who do you want to play third base? 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Let's go ahead and take a listen, though. Joey Ortiz introducing himself to the brew crew. Joey, you're one of the newest brewers on the squad. Take me into the reaction when you first got the call from Mike Elias and then arriving here to camp in these first couple of weeks of uh, being a brewer. Uh, it's been good. Uh, at least being here, it's been great. Uh, everyone's been really nice and made me feel welcome. And when the trade happened, it was kind of pretty crazy at the moment. But I was pretty excited to be able to come here and you know hopefully make the team. From afar, what were your observations of the Brewers and what you would hope to, to bring with your skill set here? Um, honestly, I, I didn't really know much. Like being with the Orioles, I was focusing on the Orioles. So, um, yeah, but pretty much now that I'm here, I'm, I'm here and I want to earn a spot, be, be ready for whatever they need. Pat Murphy describes you as a gamer. Would you agree with that description? And how do you think that comes about from Pat and from your manager? And what describes, what makes you a gamer in his eyes? Um, just work hard, make sure that I'm, you know, running hard, doing all the things right, and, um, yeah, just making sure I'm putting the work in, being able, ready to play, and stuff like that. We've seen you all over the infield so far. We've seen you, you know, mostly up the middle in your career, and obviously there's kind of a little bit of an audition at third base. How has that been going at third? How comfortable do you feel on the infield, and, and where does all of that come in as far as getting your prep work in for the season? That's good. I mean, I can play anywhere, play anywhere on the field. It doesn't really matter where. It's the same thing, field the ball, throw the ball. So, 
too. There's a lot of talk about, you know, a couple of off-seasons ago, you put on some good weight, and what was that process like for you of adding a little more pop and having a great year in AAA last year? Um, it's good. I mean, you always got to be strong. You want to hit the ball hard, you know, do all those type of things. So, uh, yeah, put on a little weight, was able to, um, you know, just advance my game a little bit, and it's been working out so far. So far here, you know, you're surrounded by a lot of great infielders on this team and trying to throw your hat into it, but this team's also known for its defense and won the Gold Glove as a team last year for Gold Glove. Obviously, your calling card is your defense. How much pride do you take in that and being able to add to the tradition here in Milwaukee? I take a lot of pride in it. Um, you know, sometimes the bat will go in a slump and stuff like that, so the glove should always be there and you should always be able to, you know, field your position and do things good. Now, let me give you a softball here. You know, on your Instagram, you've got, you know, you at Lambeau Field, and uh, obviously we got a lot of Green Bay fans listening right now. Take us through how a kid is a Green Bay Packer fan and what was it like on your trip up there to Lambeau? It was great. I mean, Lambeau is such a cool experience. Um, I'm actually a recent Green Bay fan. Um, my younger brother, who's been a, a fan his whole life, was uh, getting me to you know get into the football realm. And uh, I told him that game, if they won, that I'd be a fan. So they ended up winning, so I'm a fan. Huh? What did you think walking in there? Or at least let's start with you know driving up to Green Bay, and then boom, there's Lambo. What was that reaction first? It was pretty crazy. I mean, that field is so sweet. And, I mean, it, it was snowing, and it was really cold, too. So that was something new to me, being from California. But it was a cool experience. Yeah, you're telling me when it comes to, like, my first game up there was something like 10 degrees and everyone was acting like this is normal and I'm an Arizona boy so I totally get that when it, when it comes to having you know a chance to maybe make this team when it comes to putting your best foot forward obviously with a brand new club what do you think is most important to come across to your new coaching staff to your new front office of what you want to do and what you want to accomplish in the next four weeks or so uh, just be consistent, making sure I'm getting my work in every day and kind of just let things handle themselves. Um, I know I'm in a good position here and I have opportunity to, you know, make the team hopefully and just got to handle my own business. Appreciate the time, Joey. Thanks for it and uh, best of luck. Thank you. You know, sometimes it's a party at breakfast, as you heard in the background of that interview, but it was good to catch up with Joey. I, I-, I talked to a lot of folks with the Orioles organization, you know, getting ready to talk to Joey. And they're like, look, he's just waiting for his opportunity. You know, he, he deserves an opportunity. And the way I look at it, I talked about this last week's show, and I think we're going to talk about it all spring training long. You know, I Bryce Turing was a great defender last year, but we know how it ended with the bat last year. And he has an opportunity to say, you know what, this is still my job, this spring training. And you put Joey at third, and you put Sal back in the outfield. And if Joey can, you know, hits and produces like they hope he produces, and it's not just about... His batting average in spring training, there's a lot more that goes into it than just that. We'll talk about that with Matt Arnold in Wednesday's episode of uh, this Brewers Weekly Spring Training Edition. So all of that to look out for, what we've learned from those guys as well. We are far from done from this, by the way. Uh, and we have a whole second hour coming up as well, and that will feature a conversation that I had with Chris Hook uh, after today's game. Some really deep, insightful pitching lab stuff in there that I really hope you stick around for and uh, enjoy some of that. But up next... Let's start to shift gears a little bit, talking a little bit about pitching, talk a little bit about the week that's upcoming. Let's actually talk about what's happening on the field right now at Maryville, not just having some interviews. So take a quick breather. Come back with more after this on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. Again, Doug chiming in. 
I like Ortiz, and I like that slugging percentage a lot. Nice to have power at third, and he's a Packer fan. Appreciate Joey for a little bit of time. So here's what you've got coming this week for the Brew Crew. They're now 1-2 and two in spring training play. Back at it tomorrow on the road in Tempe against the Los Angeles Angels. Tomorrow, the Brewers will be throwing Jansen Junk against his former club. Of course, he was in the Hunter Renfro deal from a couple of years ago. Up against Zach Plezak. That game will be at 2.10 Central Time. And you can catch it right here on WTMJ. Also throwing tomorrow back in Maryville, where I will be watching. It'll be uh, D.L. Hall and Devin Williams will be throwing tomorrow. Aaron Ashby and Jacob Mizrowski both through today. Seems like all systems go from that. Uh, I've got some Ashby audio coming up in the second hour after we chat with Chris Hook as well. He's feeling good. He's trying to figure out the new spin and some of the numbers. I'll let him kind of explain all that. Also get a little bit about Crowder College and how both him and Jacob Mizrowski show up from Crowder College from JUCO. So uh, some of the top prospects with this team. I want to remind folks, and somebody tweeted this to me this uh, earlier today. So, man, all the when all the guys that I want to watch in games or or listen to are not pitching in the real field. Why is that? Well, there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, when we're doing sim games and you're doing that kind of thing this time of year, I'm fine with them doing it for two innings on the backfields. You know, they're simulating it all like Freddie did that. He did three up downs, faced one batter, and got out of there. So. I imagine we'll get closer and closer to once we see like three full innings out of these guys or their pitch limits are a little bit higher, put them into a game scenario and see those guys. But also, kind of like what I mentioned earlier about the story of like, we know you can play third base or we know you can do this. We know Freddie Peralta is going to be the opening day starter. Okay, so there's not a, a sense of drama that we need to see him in a spring training mound. We'll see him in a spring training mound when we need to see him. Same thing with Wade Miley. We'll talk to Wade in the second half of this program as well, talking about he's taking it slow right now. It's okay. Again, look at the calendar. We are a month away. That's still a lot of time in pitcher speak. Okay, If you're going two innings, then you're going to go three innings, then you're going to go four innings, and then you're going to go five innings. It is a long season. There is no sense and burning out right now at the end of February. The other things to, to keep an eye on for the Brewers is, is just how they shake out all of this playing time for the guys that are coming off injuries, right? We know Gary Sanchez is going to be slow because of the hand injury he sustained working out. Uh, that's what the hang-up was with the signing last week of trying to get him to be a Brewer. So he's going to be slow. He's doing baseball activities, but I don't think we're going to see him in a game anytime soon. The good news with him from a catching perspective, is that it's his right hand that's the issue. So his catching and his receiving and all of that, he's already in the lab with Walker McKinvin and Charlie Green of making sure he can learn the Brewer way of receiving and things of that nature. Uh, another guy that Pat Murphy mentioned by today, he was asked, hey, when, when are Yelly, when are Hoskins getting into games? He's like, soon, soon, slow playing it with Reese, making sure the knee's good. He's been hitting in these sim games. He's been hitting in these live ABs in the backfields. You may have seen it. I tweeted it. I posted it on Instagram as well. Reese going yard off of Freddie Peralta in the main stadium the other day. That was fun to see, and it had a sound on it. You can find it on my Twitter at Dom underscore Catronio, or you can find it on my Instagram, Dom Brewers WTMJ. So those guys are taking it a little bit slow right now. Again, we know what they're capable of. Get some guys like Tyler Black in at first base. Get some guys like Owen Miller today in at first base. Be creative. See what you have on a position player front. 
before you actually have to make the decision. And it's a crowded camp right now. There's a lot to figure out. So tomorrow, 2-10, Angels in Tempe, and then, yes, Wednesday, it's the Cups. And, yes, it's Craig Council. I'm going to talk a little bit about that game on Wednesday. We'll have plenty of reaction to it on Wednesday nights. But uh, let me get rid of that before we wrap up this first hour here on WTMJ. As the Brewers, they fall today to the Reds. Not much really to report home. A lot of different arms that threw. And uh, we'll get ready for what's to come tomorrow with with the Angels and then on Wednesday with the Cubs. So that's coming up next as we get ready to wrap up the first hour on WTMJ. All right, a couple quick things I want to talk about here as we get ready to wrap up the top of the hour. We'll be back after the news as well. Don't worry if you're listening live here on WTMJ. If you're listening on the podcast, you got nothing to worry about. It'll just keep on rolling through. Okay. I won't get a chance to talk to you guys again until Wednesday night. I, I will be appearing on Wisconsin's Midday News each of these next two days as well, all week long uh, as we uh, get some thoughts on the Brew Crew right now. But of course, Wednesday is a day. It's a day. Yes, Craig Council is going to be in the other dugout. Yes, it's going to look weird. Yes, Folks are overreacting to every word he says on Twitter, which is fine. You're a fan. You can do that. I'm kind of unsubscribing myself from this Craig Council discourse because I said it on this show in, like, you know, November when everyone just – that's all anybody wanted to talk about. I don't want to talk about it until Memorial Day when it actually counts, okay? You're going to see a photo of Pat and Craig shaking hands, smiling behind home plate at Maryvale. Don't act like you didn't expect it. You're going to see a photo of you know all the folks coming over to say hello to Craig, and you're going to try to make something out of it. And I'm I'm not subscribing to that theory. He made a choice. It was his choice. He got a raise. You could argue he got a promotion. That's up to you. This is, you know, this is stuff to talk about. But I'm not interested in talking about it in a spring training game. Yes, we'll open it up in May when his first return is coming. Now, the Brewers obviously play at Wrigley before that, but, you know, obviously for our fans' sake, May, Memorial Day, when his first game will be against the Brewers as a visitor. But just prepare yourself for the discourse that is coming on Wednesday. Okay, that's it for the first hour. Got a little bit of time. We're going to have Chris Hook coming up in just a little bit, so stay with us. We're going to take a break. The news on the other side of that. Plenty more Brewers talk after this on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. We're not done yet. we still got a whole other hour. We're going until 9 o'clock here tonight on WTMJ. The first of three shows where we're bringing you the best coverage in southeast Wisconsin. Maybe all of us. You know what? I'm going to put it there. There's no other radio station down here. Remember that. We're your home for the Brewers. Hope you are enjoying it. So this is this hour is going to be all about pitching. We've got an interview. I, I'm stoked for you to hear this uh, with Chris Hook today. He's. I'm very lucky that Chris Hook uh, made some time, and I'm grateful that he was willing to chat on the record and talk about pitching and talk about what this team makes, what makes them so successful. So I've chopped it up into three parts in this uh, platform, if you will. So the first part. That's coming up next. That's going to be all about, you know, why is there a magic sauce? You know, what, what, 
what is the pitching lab? You know, it's kind of the mystique of like, why are the Brewers so good at developing pitching in his background in that regard? Then we're going to start getting into the guys, you know, that you, you know, you know, we're going to talk about Freddie being the opening day starter, the benefit of the old mule, as Pat Murphy calls him, Wade Miley, and Devin Williams and the journey that he went through to become an all-star perennial closer. Uh, and then we'll get into the new guys, D.L. Hall, uh, get into Jacob Junis, get into Joe Ross and expectations for the year. So that's all coming, as well as conversations with Wade Miley and Aaron Ashby. So that's all a jam-packed second half of this show coming up next. We're going to burn a break here at the top. Up next, we're going to hear from Chris Hook. So stay with us. We're just getting rolling with hour number two of Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Welcome back. We're still going, man. We are still going. Chris Hook, as we mentioned in the previous uh, segment, he's been in the org 16 seasons now. Knows what he's talking about. And been with the uh, big league club since 2020. And uh, ironic, you know, that the Brewers faced the Reds today. And Derek Johnson over on the other side, of course, from a former Brewers pitching coach. And Derek Johnson came up today in our session with Pat Murphy, just about baseball minds and pitching minds. And the Brewers got a good one with Chris Hook here as well. So these next three segments will all be with Chris Hook. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Let's uh, get into the mind of the Brewers pitching lab and the man, you know, as a part of it, he doesn't want to take all the credit. Chris Hook uh, here on WTMJ. I think the first thing to start with is your, you know, your resume, if you will, of what you've been able to do these few years and that the front office in a way trusts you to say, you know, maybe we've got this guy's more of a project. Maybe we've got this guy needs a little bit of refinement. How do you react when you, you know, the front office keeps kind of maybe scouting and finding these guys that you and the team keep putting your magic touch on? I don't, I don't know if they actually think that uh, I'm going to make a big difference there. I think that they just get a guy that they think that as a group we can make a move, a move in a positive way. Uh, it's it's a challenge. Though. I, I mean, I think we're, we're fired up. I mean, it's just, you know, we lose a few dudes that we've had. Obviously, Woody being gone and coming back, but we know he's not going to be able to contribute this year. It's uh, it's exciting. I mean, I think that's what we look at it. Like, oh, we lost that guy. We lost this guy. What can we do to help these next wave of dudes? I mean, we got guys from the minor leagues that have really good stuff. we got them in camp with us so they'd be able to put our hands on them. And hope, you know, they may contribute this year. But overall, we just when we get new guys like that, it's like, let's go. How are we going to help them get better? It seems like a process that, you know, from afar, a lot of folks can sit here and be like, okay, yeah, you just pull up his scouting report. And he's like, all right, we'll fix that and fix that, and he'll right, be good. Right. But there's a lot in between there. Right. You know, what are these meetings like? What are these pitching lab moments like? What are these, you know, hey, here's your data, here's what we're working on, step-by-step kind of stuff? Well, there's a, we were talking about the other day, we had some guys we're meeting with it in the lab, and we're like, hey, just going to go through the car wash. Here, you get in the front, and you get through it, and you're going to be fixed. What people don't realize is there's, gosh, we have so many guy, people that are involved in that process. It's an assessment, and then it's up to us to help whatever the, whatever the category is, they're going to, and we have experts in every category. They're going to help this guy get to X. And, and I, I think that I, it's funny. It's upsetting at times to think that, hey, that happens with you know, a snap. And I'm like, all the people that are involved in that. Of course, I'm part of that process. Jim's part of that process. Strength conditioning, trainers. You're talking about biomechanical analysis. 
So all of that together, and then we've got to put a plan in place, all of us working together to get this guy better. And there's a lot of moving pieces, and, and it's, it's a lot of work. And I, I think that there's – I don't think discredit's the proper word, but it's like, oh, yeah, just send him to the lab. It's not like that. There's, there's so much going on behind the scenes that people don't realize. And to me, I think it's, it's nice to know that people uh, around the industry feel like if we get a picture there that they're going to get them better. But I, I think the, the understanding there's a lot of people putting that plan in place and then executing that plan to make that, that player better. When you were in the minors and you know roaming around and seeing everybody, and for those who don't know the minors, I mean obviously there's no lab on the road. And in let's say like the mid-teens, right. this was still very new. Right. You know, especially right. like I remember 2014 when Driveline was first popping off. A lot of you know other coaches were saying oh, you're going to blow out your arm, you're going to be brutal. Right. And look at it 10 years later, and it's like oh yeah, everybody needs weighted balls, everyone needs right. bio work, bio uh, biomechanics is a thing. So do you think that experience from the minors? is part of your success now in the big leagues? As far as just being able to look at guys and have an understanding of what the proper, um, you know, cue or whatever, is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's kind of marrying, some... marrying the eye with the actual data. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think once we started seeing TrackMan, and then I can start understanding on why the swing and miss has happened at the top of the zone, now I can, to me, like in my head, I, I see that, I know that, I know he's good there, but then have a machine kind of quantify what I'm, I'm seeing. That was really, really important. And I trust, I trust my gut on a lot of things because I think, you know, we're, you know, over, I, I've been coaching since 2000, of course, played for a long time, for 10 years. So we've, seen, you know, players that have experience and coaches that have experience, you just you just have a Rolodex. It just goes through, and I've seen that guy. I've seen that delivery before. I've probably done over, I don't know, thousands of lessons from age groups from 6 to 19 plus college, uh, independent ball, and now my 16th year with the Brewers. So there's just a lot of reps in there, and I think that's, that's an advantage of a coach with experience, but now I have to plug in on getting quantified based on what my eyes are saying but there's a lot of a lot of times I'm like gosh I see that but I don't know why maybe there's an early C and I, what I mean by early C maybe there's a front side pull that guy's on that's really good numbers the machine's telling me but there's something missing there something in his delivery that's not allowing him to be occlusive I guess is I think that's the word you might have, you have to help me with it <laughs> you know, fancy words, but the, just front side early gets out, and then it showed his hand early. So I'm like, "That's not right. We got to fix that." Well, so. look, I went to state school. Don't get to me yeah, on vocabulary well, and things like that. Inclusivity yeah, is the word go. I'm looking for. So when you get the chance to, like, let, let's say it's a homegrown player, right? And you're in the lab, and I know you talk about the car wash, and for a lot of folks. It's mystical in there. It's all oh, yeah. super top secret and all this stuff. But I, I think as time has gone on, we understand it's a lot of data. Right, it's right. a lot of driven. What's what's that like? I'm your I'm your fresh new second round pick. I'm going through the car wash. What am I yeah. going through? Well, I, I we're you're just going to go in there. First of all, we're gonna we're gonna understand how you generate force through the ground. That's part of what we do. Uh, we have a um, Kinetrax, which helps us understand how your body's moving, how the sequencing of your uh, delivery is. Uh, and it kind of like we kind of put that back and forth. Now we can also add, you know, we have Edgertronic, we have TrackMan every day. So we, we'll layer that on top of that as well. Uh, so depending on if you're brand new to the organization, we'd like to run you through. 
we're, we're uh, evaluating every day as well. We see the information through a, a regular game as well. So we've got you covered. Um, if I see something in-game that we're getting the data, biomechanical data, that we don't like, then we're going to kind of send you to um, the car wash and take another look and make sure that the force plates are doing what we, or you're putting force to the ground the way we want you to. Uh, and if you're not, then we're, we're going to do some delivery stuff. We're going to start queuing you up, understanding your throwing program, what's going on there, what can we do in the strength conditioning area that can get you better th through, uh, you know, whatever Jason, whatever his gurus are wanting him to, uh, them to do to get to that power force. Force, uh, force production. So it's like we'll get you through there. Great assessment on force production and just how your body unloads. It's just how it unravels. And if there's a kink in there, we'll, we want to know about it. And then we'll try to, on the backside, try to clean it up, throwing program wise in the strength conditioning area in our trainers. Maybe there's something just not firing correctly that they need to get after. So, like I said, we're, we're chopping you up and sending you to the right department to get you right. We, before I get into like the actual team and actually talk about some pictures here, I want to do one more like advanced thing where it's, you know, we've seen, you know, developing the cutter, spins development. It seems like this year's the year of the splitter. Right, right. You know, teams are on force plates now. Like, what do you think is like the next frontier? Like, wh where are we starting to like? Uh, we don't quite know enough about that yet, but maybe one day. I, I think the occlusion part of it. I think that's that's really important. Um, I go back. Uh, I'm not sure which draft he was, but he's fairly early. David Goforth, Ole Miss product, threw a 98 miles an hour, and I love David, but he threw 98, and you know there's a lot of there was there was exit velocity on the way out too. They just they just saw they they saw the ball early out of his hand, and I think if I think we're probably starting to dig in on that. I'm sure there's other clubs that are digging in on it. But the ability to hide the baseball, like a Freddie Peralta, he's, he's unique. There's a lot of things going on besides of his, his great stuff. Uh, obviously, extension. And, but there's, there's a way that he unloads the baseball that they don't see until very, very late. And it's an advantage to him. Now, can you teach that? We, there are things that we try to do to kind of enhance that. Uh, but uh, I think that's probably the next, next wave coming. I'm, I'm fascinated by that stuff because you hear guys that – you know, and I think Gasser, who threw today as we record this, is a great example. Doesn't throw 96, right? But he's got swing and miss stuff. Guys clearly have trouble picking it up, right? And you wonder why he's on the cusp of being the big leagues. That, that's a perfect example. Yeah, I mean, there's there's stuff out there. I mean, he's against his body a little bit. Of course, it's it's a little bit lower three quarter, and and I think that you know you talk about the Josh haters of the world. They're just you know you're trying not to be average, Dom. That's the thing. Like if you're average and everybody sees that, if you're doing something different. Release side, release height, different. You're, you know, you come out of your armpit, whatever. When you throw, it's different, you know. And I think that's where, I think we used to probably want to draft, not us, but generally in the in the industry, draft. Okay, six foot five, you know, he's over the top. And now we want, hey, how can he be different? How can we set up our rotation? How can we set up our bullpen? They have different looks. That's 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 kind of where the game's going, and I don't think we used to think that way, especially when I played. It's it's a quite the mind on Chris Hook. Really enjoy chatting with him. We got plenty more with him. Don't go anywhere. Part two of three here of Chris Hook. We're gonna talk a little bit about three guys: Freddie Peralta, Wade Miley, and Devin Williams. It's coming up in the next segment on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Let's keep going. Chris Hook joining us here on WTMJ, part of our extended conversation about the Brewers pitching staff and uh, his role. So here's more with Chris Hook. 
And I could spend hours with you talking about like bullpen use and playoffs and you know how many times is too many times for a guy to be seen. That's a whole yeah. other frontier. There's some great stuff on that, but let's actually talk about some of the guys you got now. And you talk about one, Freddie. I mean, going to be your opening day starter, knock on wood right now. Freddie's development from fastball Freddie and then a year, you know, a couple years later he starts adding the, the, the curveball and then the slider and now right. the change-ups change become a weapon for him. For a kid, as we all saw from the YouTube video that Sophia Minner and the yeah. team did was fantastic. For the kid, that kid to arrive to your, to your doorstep and to now be an opening day starter, how proud are you of him? Oh, it's, it's, it's been an incredible journey and I think that's, that's player development itself. The game shapes a lot of what a player can be. Now, first of all, the, the player has to be talented enough. Uh, obviously, we knew Freddie had the fastball, but year after year, it just got, just got a little bit sharper. And, and again, like we, and we've had uh, our past manager and our, our manager currently, we talk a lot about how the game shapes players. We're in the background helping them. I think it's a nudge. I think we, we are nudging players, coaches in season. Uh, but the game really does the shaping. And I think, you know, it, it, there's, there's, no, there's a work ethic that can't be matched. Um, he's, he's obstinate and stubborn. If we tell him he can't throw a changeup or a changeup will never be good enough, he's going to make it good enough. Um, you know, the slider's been a, a pitch that he got comfortable with and really started just really grabbing, grabbing it and, and taking the next steps with curveball. So he's a complete pitcher. Uh, if you tell Freddie you're not quick enough to the plate, he'll be a 1-1. You know, I mean, it's just like you just you continue to challenge him. He's maturing. Uh, and I thought last the, the second half of last year was a really good example of when Freddie, I think, is Freddie. That's what you look. You see just an aggressive um, – there's a guy that's thinking through it. Uh, I thought William did a great job with him. Those two got together and really took it to the next level as far as sequencing and the attacking early in counts. Uh, but uh, overall, I just think that, like I said, there's there's a, the game forced the maturity level in Freddie Peralta. We helped nudging with that, with 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 Via, uh, with Nestor, with the whole team around him. Uh, I think uh, he has done an incredible job, but. Uh, he's he's a special man. He he is always fun to talk to, and you see that glimmer as I was like, no, I I want to win. I remember yeah. I talked to him. Speaking of the second half, like after that that first half series ender against the Reds, and Ellie De La Cruz was the talk of the world, right. and no one could stop talking about Ellie. He just stole home against the Brew Crew and everything. But then Freddie comes out and gives him a golden sombrero. Right. And I just kind of like, hey man, how'd you, how'd you do that? And he's like, oh, we we found something. And I think. Right. The competitor comes out in him, and I, I'm glad you brought up Wade too, because I think people don't give Wade enough credit. Of oh, he's just this happy, happy right. dude. You know, he's big league vet, happy to be here. No, he he's an extension of your coaching staff. Right. No, no doubt, no doubt. He, uh, I think the he, there's so much knowledge in there. I have to like Wade. Give yourself a filter. Like there's so much he wants to get out. Like just just remember, they're not at your level yet. Like he's a 500 level class. I have to keep reminding him, like, uh, he's probably an intro intro level class. He's right, was that intro to college? Like that first class? I don't even know if it was one. Syllabus week. Yes, right, yeah. yeah. That's kind of like a lot of our guys were there, and Wade's spitting out 500 level class. Wait, slow down. Uh, and, and I think the one thing for Wade is, like, that's what, and, and I think he's got a coach's heart. You know, he wants to help. You know, he wants to push, he wants to make guys better. And 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 that's, I think, when you when you find coaches that, 
I hope excel, you'll see like at, 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 the, at the root level, they want to make people better. And to me, that is Wade. He wants to compete. When he's out there, he's competing. But in the in interim, he's trying to make everybody else better. And, and I think that's the really cool thing about uh, it's, it's, a double, it's a double whammy that we get with Wade. We get a guy that cares about the clubhouse. Everyone in that room uh, cares about our pitching staff for sure. And he's, he's, a, he's a nice... Uh, you know, just an addendum to our staff, you know, in all aspects that it's, it's wonderful at what he brings. Another guy you can't really go two steps without talking about when it comes to pitching is Devin. And you've seen Devin in the minors coming back from Tommy John, and you've seen him be an all-star dominant closer in the big leagues. And th that year in Carolina where it just wasn't clicking, what do you remember about that year and to see him now persevere through – Am I going to be the same guy after after surgery? It's crazy. I have these I have these moments that I you know from Woody's to the Corbins to the Freddies. I have these these uh, flashbacks, I guess. And the one flashback I have with Devin, I was in Carolina for a visit, and, and I, don't, I can't remember his story. I think it was Nathan Kirby, and he was. I mean, he's this is an intense man, very intense, and he was doing a throwing program and wasn't going very well, and he was steaming. And I just remember having a conversation and just kind of trying to pull him back from that a little bit. He was coming back from Tommy John. He, he was working extremely hard to get to the point that he was at, but it, was, it wasn't coming together. And he was, uh, I believe he was doing some starts. They were modified as far as the how many innings, and it just wasn't clicking. And I think it was probably or second, his last start of the year or the second last start of the year, clicked a little bit, right? It was just like just enough, like when you go, I'm, you're a golfer. You go out. I'm not. I don't golf a lot, but I remember just having the one good shot. Mm -hmm. It was like that year he had probably one outing that it was decent, and it just kind of kept him going. And then the following year he was in the bullpen, uh, and it kind of took off. But I just remember him being extremely, extremely frustrated, and just wasn't going anywhere. Um, and he was he was not happy about it. So it's almost like you you got that uh, Devin in the ninth inning intensity angry. I'm going to win, Devin, and it, it, almost he took that into that 19th season, and then he started popping 100, and hey, Devin Williams throwing 100, and that changeup looks really, really good. You know, we always knew he had to get changeup. It, it was unique in the way he threw it, but uh, he just took off, and, and he's not looked back, really. It's been amazing. It's, it's quite the story of a lot of folks in the organization getting their hands and, you know, making it work for him. He was... I mean, it was bad. Go back and look at that season in Carolina. I believe it was 20, what would have been, 2016. And then 17, he starts to show signs. Or, sorry, it was 2017. Then 2018, makes it in the show at the end of the year. Or 20, maybe it was 2018. I should probably pull up baseball reference. Well, nonetheless, i got to take a break. Then we'll come back with more. Then we'll have the nature of that. Then we'll talk about some of the newcomers with Chris Hook. Pitching coach of your Milwaukee Brewers, right here in the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. All right, putting a bow on the last segment there. 2018 season in Carolina. And the second to last start was against the team that I was broadcasting for, the Down East Wood Ducks. Devin in that game went three and a third innings. One hit, no runs, two walks, and three strikeouts. Uh, looking at the, the lineup here, uh, Mario Feliciano was in the lineup. Uh, Cooper Hummel was in the lineup. Dallas Carroll, Ryan Aguilar, uh, Demi Ormoloy. I mean, there's some names on here as well. Luke Barker, 
So pretty wild looking back in the time machine for Devin Williams. All right, let's wrap up our conversation with Chris Hook, talking about some of the newcomers here to the Brewers and some of the guys that he's really excited to, to work with throughout the rest of spring training. Let's talk about some of the new guys here as we get ready to wrap up. Your first early impressions of D.L. Hall. You know, obviously the Corbin Burns trade was a, a shell shocker to a lot, but, you know, I, I'm a believer of don't waste energy of people that aren't right. here. We wish him all the best, obviously. Right. But D.L. Hall is going to be a big piece of the Brewers, it looks like, moving forward. My goodness. Um, I, I think people, he's, I, I, I don't really have a comp. I, the one comp I had was, was the kid that was with the Padres, got traded to the Nationals, the left-hander. Mackenzie Gore? Mackenzie Gore. And, and that's, that's roughly what I think of. And I, his, I mean, he's throwing some sides and some uh, live BP, uh, but tomorrow he's going to do a sim game. But uh, it's, it's easy gas. Yeah, <laughs> it's really easy gas. So it doesn't look like he's throwing hard, but if you look up, and it's it's a seven, and it's got really good lift from a low from a low little slot there, and it's it it's it's electric, and that's the word I've com- commonly used. Um, I the breaking stuff is really good good as well. He's got a good feel for a changeup, so there, there's a starter in there for sure. Yeah, that that was the next question. Yeah, you that's a, a starter. There's a starter in there. He's got starter stuff. Uh, you know, we're just working on those foundational things of uh, what's a starter's routine. And obviously, he knows his routine, but trying to get him up to our standards of a routine, uh, get him understanding what we like there, uh, things that we like to get done, and. To me, it was just letting him get his feet on the ground here, not filling up with too much right now, but get his routine right, let him know the standard of our routines and what we want it to look like, and just put bumpers on him, let him go. You know, and that's what we're excited about. There, this is an arm and a talent that you just you just kind of let mature. It just like very much like a Freddie Peralta. He's coming in with three pitches ready to go where Freddie had one, so that's exciting. But uh, th- this is... Brewers, Brewers fans are going to be extremely excited about this young man. I'm excited to watch it. I, his live the other day was like exactly what you're talking about. Electric's perfect word for that, and I'll watch that sim game tomorrow with you. Uh, Jacob Junis is somebody that, you know, not a household name, quietly had a great season with San Francisco, yeah. and it can spin the ball. Yes. He can really spin it. What, what intrigues you about Jacob? Man, I, I, you know, first time I seen him throw, and I'm like, okay, go do it. You know, it's like I didn't have to say a word. Knows who he is, knows how to do it, knows what his pitch, best pitches are. Uh, extremely polished, uh, open-minded, um, uh, has had success in this league. So it, that's really exciting. We, you know, over the years we've had similar dudes that we know very, very well. And like I said, we're nudging them. We know who they are. They know what we want them to do. They go and do it. And to have someone new that kind of has an understanding who he is. Uh, it's it's enlightening. It's like, oh, great, this is awesome. You know, okay, we see the same things you're seeing. Just go out and do that. Uh, and that that's sometimes I, I don't want to use the word easy. That's not. He's an easy personality. He's open-minded. What do you need me to do? This is what I do well, and go do it. You know, and that's 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 what's fun about baseball. Sometimes you you get lucky and get a guy like Jacob Jones. He, he's I watched him in a couple of TBS games last year. Really? Like you only want him to throw two innings? Okay. Yeah. I mean, he looked yeah. like he had more, more guessing. And that's a cool thing. He's he's open to do anything, and that's that, you know he could do anything for us. And I and, and I think that uh, obviously starting a lot of baseball games, he'll, he'll end up doing for us. But uh, he's open to do anything. So Joe Ross has battled some injuries the last few years, and I knew his big brother back with the A's days. Right. I knew Tyson, and Joe 
seems like a guy that a pro's pro knows to come in and get his work done. Right. But in all honesty, we haven't seen him pitch that much. Right. What, what have you been able to see, and what do you hope to extract out of him? Uh, one word I describe Joe: strong. Mm. I mean, this guy I think could overpower people, uh, I, and I don't think so much velocity-wise, but it's the combination of strength, velocity, and movement. And and it's just like I'm going to beat you in the strike zone type of guy. Good slider, feel for the change. But I just like I sense a really high-end competitor in there, and and there's an. I mean, you you wait, come up and shake that dude's hand. You feel him, and I you know Murph talks about feeling. You feel this guy, and and there's just a there's a high end fire in there. There's a high end furnace uh, that I I think it's going to play really really well, and I think that's that's something that people can see sometimes. Uh, and like again, as if you're a coach, and you've been around, you can kind of sense these things. Uh, that's what's exciting about Joe Ross. I think the stuff's there high-end competitor, and I think he's going to play the game inside the strike zone. And when you have velo and stuff in the zone, it usually turns out okay. Let me, let me get ready to wrap it up here now with you. Appreciate your time. want to get you home. As you know, you, you enter this new era with Murph, now another year with Matt Arnold. What are your goals, expectations, challenges, as this is a kind of a new year for you? and it's A lot has changed, but yeah. yet... A lot is expected of you to keep things the same. The standard stays the same. You know, I, I think that when we think about standards and how the work is done, that stays the same. And, and those guys, those new guys will get used to that. We'll push till we get it. I don't know if the results will always be the same, but we're going to push for those same results that we've had in the past. Um, with Murph, I think, it's going to be, I think that's going to be really easy. You know he's been in he's been in the dugout. He's seen the communication that we've had uh, with the manager. Jim will be in there too. So it's 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 very free flowing right now. It's it doesn't feel odd. It feels the same, um, and that that's that's going to be good. Um, I think overall, uh, you know Matt obviously the impact that Matt gives. I mean just giving us good players, you know, and that's what he's he's done. Uh, he's done since I've been here, since since 19. So he always finds a way to, to make sure that our cabinet's full. And and then obviously, so there are times like, hey, let's get this guy better. There are going to be those challenges as well. But uh, it feels feels like home. You know, it feels it, – we went into last year not – I mean, obviously we had Woody and, and, and Corbin and Freddie. We knew that was going on. Wade, we're not sure about the impact that he was going to have on our club. Our bullpen, we did not know. Devin, obviously, in the back end for the first time. We figured he'd be fine. But there were a lot of unknowns, too. And every year brings their unknowns. Uh, and it's like, oh, yeah, we've got to figure – no, you never have it figured out. First game starts, okay, now we start. And I, and I think that's – that's the important thing here. You might think things are going to go really, really well, and they might go sideways, and you might think the opposite. But to me, it's like we're going to get our guys prepped and ready to go. We're going to get our guys communicating really well. They're going to know everything about themselves. Our catchers are going to know everything. I mean, that's where that web of everyone working together, the collaboration that we have from from the strength and conditioning to the trainers to the catching. Yeah, it's just this is what we're doing right now. And it feels heavy when we're here. But I tell you, I don't know how many times I can point to. We talked about that 8 o'clock meeting on February the 28th, and we talked about your slider on the backside to this type of hitter, and it's coming up June 2nd. Like, there are so many moments and nuggets that we go through in spring training that I can't count.
<laughs> and 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 to me, I'm so grateful for this time, and um, and and even more grateful this year because we've got a bunch of new dudes that we'll get try to get right. Well, I appreciate the the chance to steal a little bit of that time. Yeah. You know, you got a, a busy schedule, especially in the first week of real games. You know, everyone's on one inning, two innings. Thirty-two guys going everywhere. Right. <sighs> That's a lot, man. That's a lot. Wait till split squads get Yeah, that'll be too. fun. Chris, yeah. Chris, appreciate the time, man. No All problem. The best. Enjoy it. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. How about the old mule, shall we? Wade Miley, we talked a little bit about him with Chris Hook. Thanks for joining us here. Special two-hour edition of Brewers Weekly. First of three episodes this week. If you're just joining us, this is all available in podcast form. Brewers all access when you're all done tonight. Wade Miley, and let me get out in front. Sorry for the audio on my end of this. You're going to hear Wade fine. The questions might come in a little muffled here. Had a different mic on the camera for this one. But really loved what Wade had to say and uh, love talking to Wade. He's just one of the best, one of one. Wade's a great dude. And uh, let's go ahead and hear from the old mule, shall we? Wade Miley, back for another year with the crew. Take us through the process of the non-tender, just the mutual option, I should say, and then to ultimately decide to come back. Yeah, you know, the the decline in my our end of it was more or less a just kind of to get my bearings, see what was going to happen this offseason, see like where I wanted to be, if I even wanted to play, um, and and just kind of go that route. I mean, it was a pretty good chance they weren't going to pick up the, you know, that their end of it, so it just made it easy for everybody, and um, it ended up working out. I was able to get to come back here. Um, this is where I wanted to be. This is definitely where my son wanted me to be. And my family, we love it here, so um, it all worked out. Looking back on the year, I mean, you battled through a lot, and the elbow, everyone kind of deals with elbow stuff right. throughout the year, but right. let's, let's be real. You know, at your age, you got to deal with it a little more. So, how do you prepare at this point of the year to get ready for another 120 plus innings, hopefully, for you in 2024? Yeah, just the preparation. And, and, and like, you need a little luck on, uh, you know, I need a little luck on my side. I need to be able to get through, like, the, the serratus last year, the ladder, whatever it was, nine starts in, it was out of nowhere. Like, how do you prepare for that? You know, so like, I see some luck, and uh, I mean, we're working. We're trying to get everything how we how we need it in, in the best best shape I can possibly be in to start a season. So uh, yeah, just try to go out there and every five days see what happens. You look around your pitching staff, and it looks like everyone kind of has their thing they're good at, right? You've got the cutter, Freddie's got the fastball, Mizorowski's got just so many tools. I mean, it feels like there's so much. Talent. I mean, right. What do you see out of youth, out of experience, just from this pitching step as you I mean, I haven't really gotten to see him throw a whole lot. I mean, obviously, Freddie, Colin, um, guys I've been around, um, but, the, but the younger group, a couple of bullpens here and there, I have yet to see Mizrowski throw. I call him Sketty, so I gotta, okay. gotta pronounce that last name. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited to see him throw. I'm excited to see him face some hitters, and, and, and I've only heard like how disgusting this guy is, how good his stuff is, and um, I guess we'll just have to see. Excited. How, how do you view your role? I mean, you're kind of the older statesman now, the pitching staff, and being a guy that is able to coach, able to be here, able to you know show some things, and being in the show for as long as you've been. Yeah, you know, just anytime somebody may need some help or come, you just be open for whoever, whatever, anytime question. And I'm still learning. Let me tell you right right now, like you can play this game as long as you want. Like there's there's information, there's there's things out there for you to learn. So, um, yeah, just communication between each other and the coaching staff, 
They're just constantly just trying to get better each day. And working with Chris Hook and working with you know Hendu and working with everybody in this pitching staff. I mean, how has it been kind of returning here in Milwaukee and what you were able to learn about your own game and what you want to implement into 2020? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's the comfortability of being around Hookie and, and Henderson and being able to to work with those guys, Murph, just the coaching staff, the, the familiarity that I have with those guys. Um, it just makes it easier. So I mean. We can bounce ideas off each other and find something that works and go from there. What works for you? I mean, where do you feel like, how many innings do you need, or do you need live hitters? What works for you this time of year to, to make sure you're ready? I'm kind of going a little bit slow. I mean, I feel good right now. Just I just don't feel like there's any need to be facing hitters in the first week of camp right out of the gate. I just want to slow my way into it, making sure everything's good, um, and take throw a couple bullpens and just see where I'm at. You know, there's no set day of when I'm going to face hitters or, or whatnot. I'm just kind of still playing my way into it. We were talking to some folks last week. Like, this is the first normal spring training in a very long right, time. Right, right, right. And for all of us being so routine-oriented, how does that impact a pitcher? As we know, pitchers are, you guys like to have your schedules and everything like that. I mean, yeah, we love we love routine, you know, especially starters. So it's it's yeah. like we kind of know what our schedule is coming in. We know we got seven weeks. Um, I just feel like you know, we've still got six more weeks to get ready for a season. That's plenty of time. Um, just um, got my golf schedule. Got to make sure I fit some stuff that in there. You Try to play as much as possible. With, uh, you got a favorite down here? It's just all up. Silver Leaf, probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best. I'm Whisper Rock. Yeah. Whisper Rock's legit. Yeah. 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 Appreciate it. Yeah, That's all I need, man. Thank you, dude. A little bit of golf talk there at the end. Of course, you know who you're talking to here. He's, uh, you know, he's a vet. He gets to be the guy in charge of the tee times. My thanks to Wade Miley for joining us as well. All right, one last break. Aaron Ashby coming up on the other side of this, and then we'll wrap things up on WTMJ. All right, welcome back. Brewers Extra Innings Spring Training Edition. I'm Dominic Catronio. Please be joined by Aaron Ashby once again here on WTMJ. Ash, first and foremost, I guess the question is, how are you feeling? You know, we've been asking this the last couple of years with you. How's everything feeling right now? Feels feels great. Um, just just looking back at where we were, um, what, what is today, like February 25th um, of last year, I, I wasn't even able to throw a baseball. So um, feeling really good and um, just excited to get this thing going. What was the, you know, we talked to you at the end of the year about the rehab getting back, getting into a few minor league games. What was the off-season, though, program of just trying to make sure you can get that strength back? Yeah, it was really just about um, my arm endurance and um, playing catch for long periods of time, um, long toss, and um, just trying to create create a uh, foundation um, that could be built on the spring. And um, so far, it feels like it's working out. Right now, it's pretty crowded in this rotation room, whether it's bullpen, whether it's rotation. What has been the communication for your role for 2024? Yeah, it's just, um, you know, it's right now I'm being built up um, for, for a longer longer um, role, um, starting, whatever that may be. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of the idea. That's, that's why I'm here. Um, but however I can help this team um, is, is going to be the role I fall into. I know we talked to you at the end of last year about your velo trying to come back. I know the spin feels good. What are those numbers? Has have those popped like like you want them to, or where they should be at this time of the year? Yeah, um, the the movement's actually a little bit more um, 
than it than it has been in the past. Um, I think it, there's just that kind of correlates with the velo being down. Um, I think once the velo comes back up, it'll kind of return to a little bit tighter grouping on um, everything. But um, right now, I'm really happy with it, where everything's at. So we talked to Jacob Mizorowski earlier this morning. A couple of Crowder College boys. I mean, the fact that we've got two, you know, first two round picks here that are from JUCO. Let's let's start here. How did you choose Crowder? And what got you to develop into the pitcher that you are today from JUCO? Yeah, um, I mean it's it's awesome. I mean, that, yeah. it just just to have um, you know someone that's it's such a small world. Um, I, I remember when he was he was at Crowder. I went went up to uh, Matt Arnold and I was like, Hey, I don't know if you've heard about this guy, but I think he's going to be pretty good. So um, I think they're probably already looking at him at that point. But then as that was a couple of days before the draft, and then um, they drafted him. So. No, it's been really cool, and um, Crowder's just an unbelievable place. You, they, they, they do such a great job of developing guys there. Hitters, hitters too. Um, we've, we've been fortunate to have a lot of pitchers come through there that are really good, um, have a lot of good stuff, <clears throat> and then um, they really just build on that. So um, for me, it was, it was close to home and, um, you know, two-and-a-half-hour drive, and um, it was a really good ba- baseball program that I wanted to uh, – wanted to be a part of so i think it's it's really a good lesson for maybe kids in wisconsin and kids in the area of like look you don't have to go to this mega d1 school especially for guys in wisconsin who don't get the same looks guys in the midwest don't get the same looks as guys in florida guys in arizona what kind of advice would you give to maybe some arizona high school pro- or uh, wisconsin high school prospects right now yeah i mean it's, it's hard man like if if unless you're going to be um like on a full ride scholarship or something close to that um, that a Division One school's given you, like, look at junior college, dude. Like, it's there's a lot of really good JUCOs out there, even in Iowa, just down the street from from all the guys in Wisconsin. Iowa Western's a great community college too. Um, it doesn't even have to be that far, but um, it just gives you a chance to play. And I think that's that's the most important thing is um, being able to get at bats, get innings, whatever that may be, and. Um, then you know if if you have a really great year you can transfer after your freshman year or you you got that sophomore year too so um it's just the best of both worlds and um i i I mean i'm biased because i had so much fun at juco but um yeah it's definitely definitely a viable option it's good to see you healthy man all the best this spring training and hopefully we'll hear from you more soon thanks for having me dom he's great i i love talking to aaron ashby and this is going to be a camp that we watch very closely. He threw a sim game today. Seems like all systems go from that. Can't wait to see him uh, compete in field and see how long he's going to get stretched out because it's going to happen quick. In I would say in the next two weeks' time, where you're starting to say, "Oh, hey, he's going three, he's going four innings today," and so we're going to start getting some uh, clarity in the pitching side of things here pretty soon. A big thank you again to Chris Hook for joining us, for Aaron Ashby, for Brock Wilkin, for Sal Freelick, for all the guys that have. Dealt with me putting a microphone in their face. Well, I'm not done yet. We got more Wednesday and Friday. More shows to come on WTMJ. Also, a massive thank you to our producer, Isaac Marquart. He uh, dealt with me fighting through traffic to get here and uh, had to send a lot of stuff on the fly. So my thanks to Isaac for helping us out here today. All right, right back on Wednesday. Same time, same place for more Brewers Talk. Thank you so much for everybody who listened. Once again, until next time, keep on swinging.